Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Fascinating Nouns. Now, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together, we arrive at this curious nexus point. We will explore the strange, the unusual, the offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, and all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. All right, guys, this is going to be a fun episode. We have today two experts, David Blankenship and Rick Lagina. They are both treasure hunters, real-life Indiana Jones-type people, hunting a treasure on the mysterious Oak Island. Now, if you aren't familiar with Oak Island, we're going to tell you all about it in this episode. But I promise you, there's going to be so much that we cannot possibly cover. This is, This has everything that I love about the world. It's a mysterious island. You've got pirate ships. You've got hidden treasure. You've got booby traps. You've got paranormal and, and unexplained phenomenon that are occurring. You've got years of curses, misfortunes. Uh, you've got a mystery, a huge puzzle. The entire island is a puzzle that must be figured out before one can gain access to the treasure. And finally, there's a prophecy, a curse, that seven people must die before this treasure is found. And up until this point, there have been six recorded deaths on Oak Island searching and, and exploring the Money Pit, which is the original place where they believed that something was buried. We're going to get into all of this with David Blankenship, who's the son of Dan Blankenship. And David's been on the island for 40 years. Dan's been searching for 50-plus years. Rick Lagina and his brother Marty came over uh, from Michigan. They've been obsessed with this, with this place since uh, they were children. They're coming to look for treasure. They've Both teams have come together to try to figure this thing out once and for all. And I'll tell you, the other theme of this place is obsession. You've got guys who are willing to go to extreme lengths, both financially and physically and emotionally and psychologically, to get to the bottom of this mystery that has been going on for almost 300 years. So we're going to get right into this. Uh, quick shameless plug. If you want to continue and get this episode delivered to your iPod every single week, uh, just sign up on iTunes, Fascinating Nouns. Sign up for the newsletter, fascinatingnouns.com. You can look at the bottom, all kinds of new updates. At Daniel J. Glenn is the Twitter. Uh, a lot of Pinterest is going to be uh, going to be utilized on this particular episode. So pinterest.com backslash fascinating noun. That's one, no S, fascinating noun. One singular noun is on Pinterest. And... Finally, Facebook backslash fascinating noun. So let's just jump right into this thing. The greatest treasure hunt of all time. David Blankenship, Rick Lagina, thank you guys so much for being here. You're welcome. Uh, so let me just get a voice test for you guys. So Rick, say hello. Hello. That's Rick. And David, say hello. Hello. There you go. That's David. So um, people out there in Radio Land will know when you guys speak. So this is I've been waiting months to talk to you guys about this. I first heard about this, about Oak Island, back about maybe five years ago. A friend of mine brought this whole story to me and started telling me about it. And he was like pitching a story for a comic book he was doing. And I really thought he was making the whole thing up. I mean, I really thought he made up the story because I was like intrigued. And I was like, oh my God, that's great. If only that was real. And he's like, no, 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 this is a real place in Nova Scotia. I mean, this is, this is amazing. And so I started researching the history of the island, and this is, you cannot make up a story like this. I mean, this is the greatest treasure hunt of all time. I mean, wouldn't you guys agree? I mean, what, how did you guys get interested in this whole thing? Uh, we 
each came by it differently, David and I. So I'll, I'll let David tell how he got there, and then and then I'll tell how I got there. Well, I was going through a divorce in, in Florida, and my parents come down, and they figured I needed a break, so I come up here to help Dad in 1975 or six. And I just stayed up and became a landed in of Canada, and but I went you, home. But you can tell how your dad arrived up there. Yeah, don't bury the lead there, David. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, well, Dad, Dad read, read the, the Reader's Digest in 1965, and he said he was going to solve, solve this mystery and come up here and, and do it. So we came up in 65, and and we went went to the World's Fair in New York, New York. Mom and, and mom and the two girls flew to New York, and Dad and I and his lawyer went to Ohio and then came up here, and then back to Ohio and dropped them off. And then Dad knew he was going to solve the treasure. Now, now both of you, both of you, by strange like coincidence, found the story through the Reader's Digest article, right? I mean, Rick, that's how you kind of got into it too. That's exactly correct. I was uh, eight, uh, in eighth grade, and I read the Reader's Digest article. Um, I mean, uh, Dan and I, David's father, had talked about this. You know, the difference between us, of course, was I was eleven or twelve, and and Dan was thirty-four. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so as a little boy, I don't. I'm not thinking, you know, that at some point I'm going to be up there trying to solve the mystery. I'm yeah. just interested in the story and. And I came home and I read the story to my younger brother Marty, and and you know ever since we've you know I've been captivated by the story and uh, never having thought of uh, you know that someday I mean this wasn't a, a you know from the time I was 12 to to now where I said to myself this is that's my singular focus absolutely not it was more. I would constantly read about it, read whatever I could about it, but never thinking that I would, you know, be lucky enough to be where we are now. Until about 20 years ago, um, I had read that Dan, David's father, uh, David and, and Dan had built the 10X shaft and all that David talked about, you know, that, but um, Dan had had a falling out with David Tobias, his partner, and David Tobias wanted to finish the money pit, and and Dan, and I'm sure David as well, wanted to complete the 10X shaft. And so they were looking for some money, and uh, I called my brother, and we decided that on a whim we would fly up. And but prior to that, we had we had called several times and spoke to David's mom, Mrs. Blankenship Jane, and um, she didn't wasn't all that receptive <laughs> because she had been the protector of the island and protector of you know Dan and David's privacy and and, and so she was the guardian of the gate so to speak and um, she didn't exactly lay out a welcome mat but she didn't say no either so we flew you guys up were afraid of her we were <laughs> absolutely um, and so I mean I don't know how involved you want me to get but I you know, we flew up, and I remember we called from the hotel, and my brother, we, we said, well, you call. No, you call. No, you call, because we were intimidated. <laughs> David's father was quite an intimidating figure, as I'm sure David can speak to, and and I was impressed simply by the fact that he was the current 
king of the hill, so to speak, on Oak Island. He was the guy trying to solve the mystery. And so we came the next morning, we drove to the island, and I remember stopping across the causeway and, and, uh, uh checking the place to drive across and meet the old man. Exactly. <laughs> and I think he was cutting trees for David's, what would, what would be David's house. And, uh, wow. And so we sat in the car, and, and Dan didn't give us the time of day. And finally, I just said to my brother, well, I'm going to go help him push some trees over. So I went over there, and he, he didn't say boo to me. And then uh, finally, he shut off the chainsaw, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, he said, I'll go get the key. And uh, I thought he said, we'll go make tea. That was the, that was the beginning of three faux pas that I made that day. But... <laughs> Oh, and I know the other one was I, we had brought a bottle of whiskey and flowers for Jane and he looks at us and he says oh Greeks bearing gifts and we said no no we're Italian and he looked at us with these steel blue gray eyes that look right through you and he said that's even worse <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it didn't start off well and it didn't end quite well because uh, a friend of his had passed away and he needed to go to a funeral and just as we were getting along and starting to talk about financing, he had to leave. And so we got the bums rush off the island, and, and um, I looked at my brother and I said, uh, you know, we'll be back tomorrow. And my brother said, oh, no, I want to go see Nova Scotia. And I said, no, we're coming back here tomorrow. And so we flipped the coin. My brother won. and But that was the first point at which I thought, you know what, there's a chance we will be back. Hmm. Huh. So, so what was the third faux pas? My viewers are. Uh, I, I seat. went into the house and um, I, I offer. I said to Mrs. Blankenship, uh, "Can I help you make tea?" And she said, "Tea? We don't drink tea." <laughs> <laughs> so, so three times I had three three times an out, and uh, <laughs> well, it was it was a it was a rough day, but here we are, uh, you know, partners with. Dan and, and and David and and trying to solve this, and we couldn't ask for two better people to work with. Well, let, let's talk about the history because um, I want to get people interested in this whole story. We're going to pretend like people listening have no idea what Oak Island is. So, uh, David, are you better? Are you a better person to talk about the history since you've lived no, a lot of it? Rick really is, and I just got here to help my dad. I didn't read all the, the articles about everything happening up here. But did you grow up with it? I mean, you must have at some point. No, well, I've come up here when I was 22. I'm 65 now. So you've been doing it for like 40 something years. Yeah. Yep. But I was, but I was an iron, iron worker most of the time, and I just come up here on the weekend and help him out when he needed need something welded or he needed my help. So you didn't get the bug? You didn't get the treasure hunting bug? Nope. Nope. It hasn't bit me like it did Dad and Rick. <laughs> really? Yep. No. <laughs> I can walk away. They can't. But he so says he, that. But David is, you know, part of this small group of individuals that built the 10x shaft, 18 stories straight down into the middle of Oak Island, looking God. for treasure. So he says that, and he's partially correct, but he's also partially not correct because he plays such a huge role in the history of the island. Oh, come and on. Especially, and, well, you do, David, and not only that, but, you know, 10X is going to be somewhat of the focus of our search as we move forward. And Right, yes, and, but and like I always tell everybody, it's a good place to park my house. 
<laughs> yeah, but you built that shaft, David. So you are a part of the history, a big part of the history of Oak Island. Yeah, totally. I mean, you 40 years choose. is a lot of time to invest in, in a place. I mean, you know, yeah. it's in your blood, David. Yep. Well, but I'm not possessed like Rick and Dad are. Well, that's but another... You'd like to, oh, but you'd like to finish 10X. Explain why, David. Yeah, what, what, oh, is, yeah, what well, is 10X? My mother always wanted 10X finished, and I'd love to finish it for my mother. So now, now what is now, now? Let's let's back up a little bit because I don't want to get too far ahead. I want to I want to go in order. So let's talk about the history a little bit. And we're gonna we're gonna come to 10x. We'll come to the money pit. We'll come to all the kind of anomalies, like geographical and anomalies on the island. But let's first talk about the history. So how did this whole thing start? How did people discover this pit? When did they discover it? Well, Dave, 17, you wanna... No, you go, Rick. Seventeen ninety-five. You go, Dave. You, you, I'll fill in what you if you miss anything. No, I'm gonna miss it. In 1795, three boys come across the island, and they found a depression in the ground, and they started digging, and they found a layer of logs 10 now, feet down. Now, hold on a second. Now, it's it's right under an oak tree, right? And the oak tree had, yeah, and had a, a branch, branch missing. Yeah, and it had a branch with a, supposed, supposedly a block and tackle. Uh-huh. Which is something that you care, which is like a pulley system. Brought it out by then. Hmm. But they did find a depression in the ground, and when they dug down, there was a layer of logs. About 10 feet down, right? Yep. And then it, it, once they got some layer of logs out, they kept going down. Another 10 feet, they had another layer of logs. Every 10 feet, they would hit a layer of logs. Until they got down to 90 feet, and then they found a stone with strange markings on it. And once they removed the stone, it was, I guess, Saturday night. So they quit, come back Monday, and the place was flooded. Well, no, the boys didn't. The boys didn't. They only went down thirty feet, right? Because I mean, this was seventeen ninety-five. They, I don't think they went down ninety feet, right? No, no, they no. didn't. So they went down like thirty feet. feet, and then they left. And then, then this is when people started being attracted to the island, and groups of people started investing money in searching for something, right? Absolutely. Uh, there's been a progression of. Individuals and companies that have come to the island and each each has tried and failed, unfortunately. And and uh, like David said, ultimately they got down in what's become known as the money pit, that shaft, uh, to 90 feet. At which point, uh, like David said, that uh, carved stone was discovered, and um, and the booby trap system uh, was Kicked activated, i.e salt water intrusion into the money pit shaft and that's been the problem ever since but there's been a series of well you can imagine 219 years of search uh, people have come and gone lives have been lost and fortunes spent uh, trying to uncover uh, what was or what was believed to have been uh, deposited in the money pit well, so it, 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 it's a rich rich history I mean uh you know, there's, there's many people's, uh, the, the thing about the money pit has always been that people say, well, it's just a scam, but you you don't run scams on your own family. In other words, you, you perpetrate the scam and then you leave with the money, but the same people, the same families are reinvesting in through various corporations throughout the year. So uh, why would they do that if they didn't believe? And if there's one thing about Oak Island, it attracts people who believe. Right. Well, here's what's... I'm just going to fill in a couple of gaps here um, because I think we're glossing over some of the coolest parts of the history. 
Now, I grew up a fan of Goonies. I assume both of you have seen Goonies. Yes, long ago. Oh my God, this is this is this is, this is the Goonies, man. Steven Spielberg stole this story. So now, what's so the money pit? So three people they're digging in. They find they find layers of of wood, and and eventually they get down to thirty feet. They can't dig with shovels and picks anymore. I mean, that's what you're thirty feet down. It's really hard to get without any equipment to get dirt up. So people come in, they start investing in it. And there's eight years afterwards, they find this this stone slab. Now, in between that, and I think at 50 and 70 feet, they found other things, right? They found pieces of metal. They found um, um, bits of bits of things, I think clay pottery at some of the other levels. Now, this is, to me, I mean, I'm reading this as a novice, and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, this is indicative of man-made of a man-made creation you know some people will dismiss it as not being man-made but i mean i think that that tells you that it is man-made and eight years afterwards they find this slab now you guys are blowing over the slab thing this thing's crazy it's a big piece of a rock that has cryptic symbols written on it right Right. Absolutely. Nobody knows what they were because there was no rubbing <laughs> right. taken of it, no picture taken of it, so nobody knows what was on it. So how did people know it existed? Book? Well, many, many people saw it. It was in John Smith's fireplace for a number of years. I don't know fireplace? off the top of my head how many years, but it was in his fireplace on the island. So many, many people saw it. And that's what's so confusing. As David just said, no tracing, no rubbing, mm. no photograph. It's hard to believe that somewhere in some family's Bible or some family's long lost letters or in an archive someplace that there isn't a tracing, rubbing photograph of the carvings on the stone. The, the earliest known reproduction, if you will, was in the Kempton letter. Um, but no one can prove irrefutably that those are the correct symbols. And in fact, David always says this. What do you, you say about David, about R.B. Well, Harris? Oh, R.B. Harris, it's a figment of his imagination. Dad talked to him and asked him about that. He said, no, nobody ever took a rubbing or anything. And it just came out of his head, huh. what he put in his books. So everybody's deciphering what was in his book, and that's just a figment of his imagination. Huh. And, and so the, the stone it, doesn't exist anymore. The, the stone, it was retrieved from the shaft. I mean, it's written in the some of the logs of the company that recovered it, and... You know, there was no need to misrepresent or exaggerate facts back then. There was no Facebook or Twitter, no instant publicity. They generally wrote down in those log books, you know, what they did that day without any need or desire to exaggerate. And, and so, and the fact that it existed in John Smith's fireplace for a number of years, and then it went to, in, I think... Uh, the book finding company, David. I don't know what year it was. In the book finding company, maybe it went to a book binding company in downtown Halifax, A.O. Creighton Bookstore, and, it was, and people saw it in the bookstore, and it was used as a beating stone eventually. And the, the word is that at the point at which the bookstore went out of business, uh, the the carvings were almost obscured, and then. We have a letter from um, a lady who lived in Chester, uh, Bay or Chester, I believe. She wrote a letter to 
Robert Dunfield in 65, saying that she remembers her grandmother saying that the stone was taken and given to the Halifax Museum. We've tried to hmm. trace it down to the Halifax Museum. Um, they say they have records of everything that was ever given to the Halifax Museum, but there are many, many different types of logbooks. There's historical, archaeological, mineral, you know, you, they, they don't have the time or the resources, and, and you, as a private person, are not allowed to source the archives. So might it be there? It could. Um, but we've also heard stories that it's in uh, a, a descendant of Creighton's, uh, Mrs. Helen Creighton, or I believe Helen Creighton's uh, garden. rock garden. Uh, but that's a historical site, so you can't go searching through the rock garden. We've heard it was used as a paving stone in the Halifax Street. We've heard that it might be in a Freemason Lodge. Um, so there are lots of stories associated with the stone, and you're right. It's incredibly important. But many things have been lost historically on Oak Island through all the searches. I mean, the stone triangle is gone, the stone pyramids are gone, the G-stones have been moved, the drilled rocks have been moved. So much information has been lost because of the, the earnestness of the people who came and, and the intense uh, search efforts. They didn't properly record things. They just were singularly focused on getting to the bottom of the money pit. And, of course, the booby trap has done its work in these many years. Well, I think it's, I mean, a lot of people, I think, wanted to solve it, and they thought, oh, well, I'm going to be the one who solved this mystery, so why would I put all these other clues back into place? Um, I mean, I think that that's probably it. Now, what's kind of cool about this slab in the story, you know, a la One-Eyed Willie and the Goonies, all of a sudden, this booby trap goes off, and no one can really, from what I understand, it, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, no one knows how this, how this works, how this system works, but there was a, a tunnel was released, water from, later you found out, well, first of all, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. So a, a trap is, a booby trap is triggered, and all of a sudden this shaft that you guys have been building down for 90 feet just fills up with water overnight, and you can't get rid of the water, right? right. And so tests were done, I think there was dye put in there, and it was discovered that this, the water's actually coming from the ocean surrounding it. Right. David can speak to that because he, he helped conduct one of those tests. David, right. tell me about that test. Yeah, well, we dumped, I don't know, four or five pounds of an ounce. We'll do a million gallons of what five pounds will do. So we turned the whole friggin' bay of my home bay bright green. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right in the but middle of the But you actually seen it come out in Smith's Cove, right, David? Yes. Yes. And you I saw it in the South Shore. Right, I dropped weights that. down that we could see to, to pick out later. But it, it happened so quick that by the time you get around the end of the island, it, you can't tell exactly where it came from because it, this dye is so powerful. Once it hits the water, it, bam, it's gone. Huh. It turns everything green. You tell Which the story that you, you bumped air down in several of the holes, though. Right. Yeah, you pumped air down in, in two of the marked holes or one of them on the south shore. Oh, yeah, out in the ocean, yeah. 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 And all you smell was rotten eggs. Really? Yep. We were jetting air out into the ocean and we're 
I had marked where the die come out. Just rotten eggs, methane gas. Huh. So there appears as though there's two flood tunnels, not just one. One in Smith's Cove and one in yeah, the South Shore. Right. And so there's no way to shut these things off? I mean, because I think you guys did a search and you found out that there's actually coconut fibers out there and there's not a coconut tree for 2,000 miles. And that's right. kind of creates like a sponge, which is pulling pulling like a filter for water going in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so I had one lady ask me why we didn't just, when we pumped the water out, keep it out. Ask yeah. us, how do you want me to put the goddamn Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that's what we're pumping is the Atlantic Ocean. Well, can, can, is there any way to eat? So there's, I assume you guys have thought all this. I'm not going to solve the mystery here. But, I mean, is there any way to stop? Like, will you, if you find out where it's coming out of, right, on the shore, can't you block that up? I mean, the coconut fibers are there as a filtration system, so it doesn't get blocked. Can't you, can't you block those holes and then pump the water out? We might, might have been able to before when we had to, we could go out in the water. But now they've stopped us from going out into the water. Who's they? You'd have to drive sheep piling around the island. There are uh, huge environmental issues now. There, mm. There's no way to get a permit. I mean, people have written to us and suggested coffer dams, which David just suggested, sheep piling around Smith's Cove. But those types of uh, endeavors, which long ago might have been possible, are now environmentally prohibited. Hmm. There's just and no way. And uh, it, I think... I, it's expensive, but it's just, it's not permitted. You just, we did prior to the Treasure Trove license, Treasure Trove Act being rewritten um, three years ago now, almost three years ago now. Um, we had maritime discovery rights. Uh, 300 feet from low mean tide, we could do discovery work, but the TTL was rewritten um, in 20. 2012. 10 or 11. Was it 10 or 11? Yeah. Uh, um, it was rewritten and um, they took away our maritime rights. So we can do no work vis-a-vis the Treasure Trove License Act and we can do, we never could do work. We never would have gotten permits, environmental permits to do that type of disruptive work. You have to understand up there, you know, there's, it's very productive crabbing grounds, scallops, you know, mm. fishing, the fishing economy up there is, is important. And to do that highly disruptive kind of work, they just would never permit it. Well, it also seems like, what if, I, I had this thought last night, which I don't want to scare you guys, but what if you guys figure out how to get the water out? Let's just say you're able to do that. What if that's only the first booby trap? And then you dig down another 20 feet and all of a sudden, you know, like Indiana Jones, there's tip, you know, poison tip darts coming at you or something. Have you guys considered that? I mean, we no. have, but, you know, one problem at a time, I guess. You can't predict <laughs> the unknown, like David always says, you know, if we had the crystal ball, yeah, down there already. We don't. So, yeah, right. Yeah, the only way, I, I don't, I think... David can answer better than I because he's dealt with these issues before, the, the massive amount of pumping in 10x per se. Like he said, you can't drain the ocean, so probably the, the one recourse for the money pit excavation would be a liquid nitrogen freeze ring technology where you drill a series of holes, you know, whether it be 
20 foot in diameter or 40 foot to encompass the money pit area now because the money pit shaft is long gone. Um, so you drill and then you freeze the ground and then you literally um, shut off the water that way. Oh, that's really interesting. So you're, you're basically freezing the water coming in. Exactly. But then you got to pull the ice out, right? Then you dig your way down, yeah. yeah. But the ground is then stable. Holy cow. That's And this is kind of what's cool, and I wanted to get to this later, but um, your brother Marty was in the energy business, and so drilling yeah. is kind of how he made his fortune, right? Well, he doesn't, you know, he's never, he's not the guy who goes out on the rig. I mean, right. He, right. But he does have that type of experience, yes. So you guys are uniquely qualified, basically the point I'm trying to make, uniquely qualified as far as treasure hunting goes in the history of Oak Island, I would say. Yes, he, he and Craig No offense, David, I'm just, you know, I'm just, <laughs> just pointing no, out. No, it's just crazy, though. It is yeah, kind of yeah. nuts. Well, and, and so, you drill for oil and then you come out on Oak Island and drill for treasure. <laughs> Black gold to real gold, right? Right. <laughs> so, so after the slab was found, so, and I just wanted the other point I want to make is that to me the theme of Oak Island has always been obsession. You know, I mean, after after this 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 tablet was found and the and the money pit flooded, you had you had eight other what I think six other excavations between 1866 and 1959, and one of them, the 1909 one, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had a very uh, had a, a a keen interest in Oak Island, right? Absolutely. Oak Island Exploration Company. So how was he? Because after, so after, so when when the when the the pit flooded, there were holes drilled to the side, right, parallel to the money pit, to try to find see what was down there, right? Well, lots of companies, but the Halifax company did extensive side tunneling. Yes. Okay. Now, how was now how was Franklin Roosevelt involved in all this? Do you know his history? Well, he was just an investor. I, I don't know how he came to uh, become interested in it. Uh, I really don't know. Um, but I will say this. We, he always, even after he left, he maintained a, an interest in the island. He, we have a letter from he. Uh, he was on a destroyer out in the Atlantic during the war. And, uh, and he writes to Professor Hamilton, who was the treasure license holder at the time, and he says, you know that how he expresses an interest in after his term in office that he would like to come back to the island that he he wanted to uh, wanted Professor Hamilton to keep him apprised of the ongoing activities and also express the fact that he, he would like to come back. So, but where his interest came from, I don't think anyone really has ever looked into that. Truthfully, huh. Well, it's also, I, mean, I don't know if you guys watch the TV show Lost. I don't mean to always compare this to movies and TV, but just the way you describe that, it seems very much like Lost. You have this island. Now, while there aren't supernatural factors involved, but everyone is obsessed with being there, and once they leave, they have to come back. Did you guys watch this show? Yes, I did. It's a good, it's a good show. I don't know if my analogy is flimsy or not. Um, but so, so you have all these, you know, you have all these people coming out there. Like, like you said, fortunes were lost. I mean, you've had six or six or seven different major excavations of this site. And, you know, not only was the money pit, there's also 10 X, which I don't know exact a lot about. And I think David, this is where we can jump into 10 X. Um, what is it? How is it different than the money pit and where is it? Well, it's 800 feet northeast of the money pit. Okay. 
and Dad drilled a hole, was drilling holes up there, and it started out as a six-inch hole, and then it went into a, a 20-inch hole, and then it went to a 27-inch hole. They found a, a piece of metal and wire in it, and so it kept getting bigger and bigger. And then we went down, well, I think we're in 78 or so, seven, 78, cut holes in behind the casing to see if there was voids in behind them, down around 145 feet. Well, I had just come up. I spent two hours down there, and Dad's starting to go down. Well, he wasn't down 10 minutes. He started hollering, get me up, get me up. It was caving in on him. Oh. So he'd come up on top of the ground, would drop the weight down as soon as he cleared the, the hole, and it collapsed closed at 90 feet. So we just did get a mountain time. Wow. Tell, tell him what your, what your dad said to you the first thing he said. Don't tell your mother. Don't tell your mother. What's the first thing he did when we walk in the house? He tells her. <laughs> but Always. I wasn't allowed to. That's so funny. Now, why did why there? Why did you guys drill where you drilled at 10x? Well, we had a, an investor, Bill Parkin, who was a, in the radio waves and stuff, and he was did a sonar behind the case, and he said there was a void back there at 145 feet. So we were trying to find the void. No, but why why 10x? Why the site of 10x? Well, that you would have to ask Dad about. I have no idea why he decided to drill where he did. Really? That's a lot of doubt. Oh, dowsing. I, I would have thought you guys would have known exactly, like, because here's the other thing that, I've, uh, that I've, I've been reading about is that there's so many different ideas about how Oak Island was constructed. Um, oh. And someone, another a person, uh, and I'm hopefully I'm going to do another interview as a follow-up to this one, where he, he his focus was the Freemasons. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but it makes for an interesting story that Oak Island is essentially one big riddle, one big puzzle, and that, you know, there's all these different clues left behind, and, and Rick, like you said, you know, a lot of things are missing and out of place, so, you, you know, you've got to follow this log of other treasure hunters, and they weren't always, you know, no one wants anyone else to find the treasure, so they weren't being good about following their clues, okay. but, you know, when we're going to move on to the anomalies in a second, because I think this is, this is the part that really piqued my interest, is you have all these different clues all over the island, that point to something there's you know there's something once you unlock these riddles then you find out where you know what you're looking for um i will give you a little bit and take an all a whole lot from you <laughs> well, right rick <laughs> right exactly right well now speaking of that's an excellent segue david there's also a, a prophecy and i want to know where this came from but that seven men must die before the treasure is found? Where did that come from? Is that just yanked out of someone's keister, or is, this, is there any validity in this? I have no idea, but we've had six that have died so far. And we're hoping that we're not going to be the seventh. <laughs> well, yeah. the, curse is, the curse supposedly says that all the original oaks, they had a distinctive umbrella-like appearance to them. If you go back and you look at the old pictures, that all the original oaks had to die and seven people must die before the treasure will be revealed or found. Um, currently, all the oaks are gone. The and old six oaks people. Are, and six people have passed away. But no one knows where that's come from. But, you know, there's lots of uh, strange happenings on Oak Island. Uh, lots of people have had lots of uh, interesting 
not for lack of a better word, experiences on the island. There's been some very strange equipment breakdowns. Um, you know, we won't get into the paranormal, but no, we should get into the paranormal. That's what I love. Let's talk paranormal. It's a very, it's a very strange place, and uh, uh, David actually, if he wants to tell it, he he actually uh, had an experience. David, you got to tell me this experience. I love this stuff. Well, I got a phone call when Bill Parkin was up here doing his good sonar behind the casing. He was staying over at the Island Inn. And he called me, called Dad and said, the island's on fire. So Dad calls me, so I'll go over to the inn. I lived on the mainland then. And there was a great big ball of fire. Looked like it was out on the water. Holy cow. And it moved onto the island. And Bill and I sat there and watched it for probably about five to ten minutes. So I jumped in the car and come over to the island. It's only about three miles away. And went back where we'd seen it, and there was nothing there. With no scorched earth, nothing? There was nothing. Nothing. No, no fire. No, nothing burnt. No. That's bizarre. And yeah, you saw a fireball. Yep. And we've had paranormal that are doing it. Their search is out here now. And one of the girls seen a fireball on the other side of the island. It was just a small one. Now, mine was probably about 10 feet in diameter. It was a big one. Holy cow. Now, is there is there any is is there a history of this type of stuff? I mean, in the literature, people are there notes about paranormal goings on on the island? Well, they say that some people have seen. My wife has seen the teaser burn, and that burned back in the 1700s. What's the teaser? It was burned off of Oak Island, and she has seen it, and her and her grandmother, and a couple other people have seen the teaser, and it's just a ghost ship now, but yet it appears every now and then and people on the mainland see it see the island see the sea of ship burning yep holy cow and my wife's seen so people jump off of it and everything oh my god that's crazy there's lots of lots and lots of stories about oak island i mean one of the one of the things is early on there had always been strange lights and goings on strange sounds coming from the island supposedly now this is just oral history that Three men rode across at one point, and they never came back. Huh. Uh, sightings of people have said that they've seen. Uh, there's a story of an old man who looks like a pirate sits on the shore and beckons people to come to the island, and then they get there, and and he's gone. And stories of the, uh, what what people come to call the hellhound that with fiery red eyes that guards the island and gu supposedly guards the treasure. Uh, you know, there's um, one of the caretaker's daughters um, supposedly saw um, two cup. different occasions, I think. She saw, did you see, David, pirates and also um, British Army uh, uniforms. And it, it just to me, it's, it, you know, all of that is very interesting, but it's the strange equipment breakdowns that really, uh, you know, things, things, electrical things don't work in the swamp. Uh, <laughs> cameras, don't, cameras don't work. We conducted what's called an electric resistivity uh, ground um, sonar type um, Test uh, that equipment is, according to the manufacturer, is 
foolproof. Um, they've never <laughs> had that equipment goes all over the world. The geophysicist we hired to run the equipment um, has run that piece, that very piece of equipment, all over the world under some very severe um, conditions, and he's never had it not work. And yet on Oak Island, when it was in proximity to the swamp. It broke down four or five times. Four or five and times, and it was a beautiful yeah. day. Yeah, <laughs> we have a we have another letter from uh, I think when Robert Duncan was there as well. He um, the letter is from the barge captain. He's taking the equipment off the island, and um, he gets within sight of Chester Harbor, and the barge sinks. And he writes to I believe it was Mr. Duncan, and he writes and he says. The devil yet pursues us, though we leave that accursed place. It's just strange things happen there. Now, are they explainable? Perhaps, but strange nonetheless. Wow. That is, I mean, that's so It just adds another layer of mystery as if the island didn't need to be more intriguing, you know, than the folklore about it being cursed just adds more to it. Uh, this incredible stuff. Now, you have you guys seen? I'm just gonna go. Let's 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 pretend for just for a second that the island is in fact one large puzzle. I don't know where you guys if you guys believe that or not, but let's just say that it is. Are there any old photographs before you know before it was completely maimed by human hands? And I guess this would only be you know 1860s when we had photographs, but I guess aerial photographs weren't available after that. But so I guess while I'm thinking out loud, what is the oldest photograph of the island that you have before people started messing with things? I, I don't truthfully, I don't know. We have a an aerial from 1931. Um, I truthfully, I don't know what the earliest photographs would be. Do you, David? No, because I was trying to think what year that was. That we do have that. You say it's thirty-one. Yeah, the we've area. Got lots of ones. Yeah, we've got lots of ones where it was bombed out. <laughs> have but, you got, uh, Have you guys ever looked at that photograph and tried to pick, put things together? Yeah, we've we've uh, taken had stereoscopic uh, photographs of it and tried to compare. Uh, like, like the stone triangle was still in place at that point, but it's hard to get uh, high resolution out of yeah, it. Yeah. And the island has changed so much over the intervening years that it's hard to relate. Now, the the, the person with probably the most definitive um, lay of the land, if you will, is is Mr. Nolan, who is the other treasure hunter on the island, and He's a surveyor by trade, and he has a lot of, um, but mind you, he was only there in the early 50s. Mm -hmm. So the island had undergone, prior to his involvement, had undergone incredible changes even before that. So it, it's almost impossible to recreate things. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just not possible. The shoreline has, you know, the, the water levels have come up. I mean, that... There's thought that the entrance to the, that there may be an entrance to the money pit out in the ocean now, because mm. the shoreline, the estimates range from 40 to 27 feet out. The shoreline back when this work may have been done, according to the carbon dating. So, you know, is there a doorway, quote unquote, out in the ocean? There may be. Hmm. Well, Even if we can find it, we can't use it. 
Yeah. It's almost impossible now because to recreate the island as it once was, given the destruction that's happened there and the, uh, I don't want to use the word destruction, but the, the search methods were uh, <laughs> yeah. long ago were um, haphazard, <laughs> destructive well, in nature. There, yeah, there was brute force technology applied because <laughs> they were they were singularly focused on retrieval of the treasure, yeah. not necessarily in, in in and each group that came, each successive group came with the idea that surely we will be successful. Mm-hmm. We don't have to make records or measurements or whatever because surely we will be the ones to be successful everyone who's come there has had that mindset how hard can it be right rick <laughs> uh very hard <laughs> <laughs> well let, let's talk about some of these geographical anomalies because uh, these are these are what kind of strike me because I, I you might, re- might want to ask david about david let's get into it building um, 10x yes uh, you know there are some you know that you're talking to one of the handful of people who built that shaft and we can talk about the the video that they had oh yes yeah, so you guys searched this right with a video you well, guys, yep. back in 74 they did yeah what'd you guys find dirt rocks yeah oh, okay. <laughs> what did your dad see oh that you're talking about what the, 74 uh, yeah the cbc cameras right yeah uh, you've seen the hand floating by the camera a severed hand. A severed hand? Yep. And when he was diving in there, he seen what he thought was treasure boxes and picks and a dead body. Well, the good news okay. about that is that maybe that's the first person to die and maybe seven have already died. Well, maybe. Nobody knows. And has that been verified? I mean, has anyone taken a look at that? I assume people looked at this footage, right? Yeah, well, the best they could because they were taken. They couldn't back then. They didn't have the equipment to. They don't have the VCR on it. Right. So they were taking a movie picture of the, the monitor. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I gotcha. Blurry and everything else, and jumping. Right, right. When so, you speak of the passions involved in Oak Island, it, it, David can attest to this. David's father dove in a 27-inch hole all the way down 235 feet. Holy cow. In a 27-inch hole, pitch dark. (laughs) That's insane. And he did it how many times, David? 10 or 11 times. 10 or 11 times, yeah. Why did he go down there? What was was he looking for? I mean, like, obviously treasure, but... Well, they hit the hole at 135 feet, and he wanted to see what was in it. But it's in bed, in gypsum, and every time you get close to the, the wall, he disturbed it and turned it milky color. Wow. So he would die but he, down he dove down there because of the, the footage, the 74 oh, right. footage. Yeah, yeah. Where he believes the footage showed two chests. One looks like it has a key in it. And the, the, the body, the, the tools. Uh, you know, he went down to, to affirm that what he saw was actually there. But given the conditions, um, he wasn't able to to make those discoveries, and and the fact that well, here again, David can speak to it. Uh, what were what? How many pumps did you have on that to keep the water down, David? We had three pumps: two electric and one diesel driven. We were pumping well over a thousand gallons a minute. Wow! <laughs> Just to keep it well, out. 
Yep. So the flow of water in that cavity was incredible. Yeah. So, you know, given the visibility restrictions and the flow of water, it was very difficult for Dan or anyone to feel around that cavern. Oh, my God. Well, the good news is, if, like you said, if there's a treasure chest down there, it already has the key in it, which kind of, that would suck if you get the chest and there's you don't have a key, you know? That's the good news. Yeah, I think it probably. Um, so now let's talk about, so on the island, there's, there's actually, um, I want to get to the swamp in a second, because the swamp is the thing that, I, I was watching the show, and we're going to get to your show in a second, um, but the, how you guys drained the swamp and how you guys discovered that the swamp had some... Um, some there was definitely there probably was something there that was cool i, I want to get to that in a second but there's also uh, there's a, there was a stone cross in the middle of the island right and there's a stone triangle and all these things that kind of like point to different directions right well there's the stone triangle which uh has been lost uh, you know this this shore uh, because of shore erosion that the stone triangle's been lost um but yeah, it was a like a actually it looks more like a sextant than a triangle. Mm-hmm. And it um, Dan and Mr. Nolan stayed up one night and shot the North Star, and the median line through that triangle pointed directly at the North Star, ran through the I think it was the northeast corner of the Money Pit. And um, uh, the stone cross you're referring to, uh, Mr. Nolan discovered that it's a it's five boulders laid out over, I think the arms of the cross are 360 feet, and the length of the cross is 700-some feet, I believe. And they're made of five huge granite boulders, all conical-shaped. All they, You could replace one for the other and not, not know it. I mean, they're, they're all very, very similar. And according to Mr. Nolan's survey, the... The, um, the intersection of the arm and the, and the staff of the cross is less than a degree off of perpendicular. Wow. You're talking boulders somewhere in the neighborhoods of 10 to 20 tons. Holy cow. That's but incredible. as of yet, no one's been able to figure out what that means. Well, there was a treasure map that was found, right, that... Um uh, that that the that the triangle of the the rocks pointed towards the money pit. There was a in a book I was reading about this. There was a book. Um, I think it was a Captain Kidd book, and that they found a treasure map that pointed to the money pit when you followed the instructions. The Wilkins. Right. Yes, but that may. Uh, how true is that? It's never. It's never come to anything. It's it's like it, the thing about it is, and David can attest to this. There are hundreds of literally hundred theories about Oak Island and yeah. you know many of them somewhat credible but it seems like they'll the, the theorists take the known facts and plug them into the gaps in their theory in other words to, to make the theories work yeah mm. the mm. thoughts just don't connect mm. you know uh, so no one's been able to come up and say look here's Here's what it is, and these are the reasons why. There are some very elegant theories out there, some some of which we've paid attention to in terms of our discovery processes, but nothing's been proven. Nothing's been... When you do the on-site exploration, either the facts don't fit or the measurements are wrong or, or it's not supported by... Um, 
discoveries in the past. Like I said, they're very elegant. You know, some of them are, are impeccably developed, but mm. they don't bear fruit. Mm-hmm. As if you lay them out here on the, on the land, they don't work. Right. And everybody, they're like assholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> and they all stink, right? Um, so, but you guys had one guy come out and he, I think he used like a Masonic, an idea that it was a puzzle and that there are different points on the island and that one of those points is in the swamp and on the island, the swamp is perfectly triangular, right? When I saw that and I heard that it made so much sense to me because I'm going to go down in history right now. I'm going to tell you this. If when I'm going to say, when you guys find whatever is on that island. I'm, my guess is where people use brute force to, to get, you know, to dig down and use huge cranes to, to just pull it out of the earth. My guess is if you solved the clues and figured out the puzzle, this whole thing would be a lot easier. And my guess is at when, when this is all said and done, we're going to find out that if, we, if the first people who discovered this had just looked at the clues and figured out the puzzle, none of this craziness would have happened. That's my You're guess. Right. You're probably right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if we could reverse engineer this thing, I think you're right. There, there would be uh, uh, sophisticated twenty feet deep, and you got it. Right, exactly. Right, or just walk into a tunnel in the ocean, where it wasn't the ocean at the time, and walk down there and put in a little combination, and pops open. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about this swamp. So you guys drained the swamp, right? Twice. So, now. twice. so, so tell me about that. We just hook thousand gallon minute pumps up and you pump it on the land. Because we're not allowed to put it in the ocean. You had to move it to a different part of the island, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can't pump fresh water into the into the ocean. Which my is question utterly... is, where does every friggin' river empty at? Right. In the world. <laughs> yeah. The, ocean. the Amazon dumps more wa- fresh water into the ocean in, in less than a minute than we would have done <laughs> all summer. <laughs> well, we can't do it. That's that's how environmental rules are up here so you guys drained into another part of the island and yep. then you searched it but you guys did you guys find anything I mean did any well, of these theories did. come true well uh, you know we, we, we found the singular coin um, which date predates the island by about 150 years and this is at the end of this the show people will want to follow along at home you guys discovered um, a, a doubloon or um, right a 15 something Meravide, yes, yes. A Meravide coin a Spanish copper coin um, uh, which dates to 1652 um, in the swamp but um, we've run um, three or four different types of ground penetrating radar in the swamp and we have preliminary reports on on that data which indicate some anomalies Um, can't speak exactly to it yet and also given the fact that we don't have the final reports from those Mm -hmm. APR but Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're still interested in the swamp Uh, but we have to couple things is we have to obey all and, and we have we have to obey all the environmental uh, restrictions. We have to get multiple permits. Um, and we also have to work in cooperation with Mr. Nolan because uh, you can't have two different, each each of us, Oak Island Tours and Mr. Nolan, own part of the swamp. So we have to work cooperatively together in that endeavor. Hmm. So um, it's not as simple as just laying hose and pump and 
there's a lot of groundwork and cooperation which needs to come together to make that happen. So we're still interested in the swamp, and uh, we believe perhaps uh, this spring we'll we'll do more work, if not this winter yet, with a different type of technology. When you especially have to be careful because you're being filmed now. So do you, what you probably could have gotten away with before on a, on a deserted island, you, you can't now. Um, well, we've never been. We've never. We've been at this now for seven years. We've never yeah. behaved that way. We don't <laughs> sure. care to behave that way because it's it's counterproductive to what we're trying to do. We're not only trying to solve the mystery of Oak Island, but we're trying to, you know, uh, be respectful of of the heritage of mm. of, of the island and and uh, people's interests in Oak Island. So. We've never tried to circumvent any rules whatsoever. We're, we're, we've always been very respectful of uh, the requirements as, as uh, put forth in the Treasure Trove license, which we currently hold. Sure, I was I was only kidding that um, when the cameras are well, off, you can you probably get, get away. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. If you get caught, then you'd probably lose your license. No, that's true. That's there's a lot at stake. Um, so now that brings an interesting point. I didn't I didn't realize that the swamp was part owned from, from what I understood. Um, that the the Blankenship family owns fifty percent, and that um, the Lagina family owns fifty percent. Is that not true, or the trusts, or whatever you guys have set up? Yes, yes, that is true. It is. So how does how does um? But it's only eighty five percent of the island. Right. Mr. Nolan owns lots nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Eleven and twelve encompass part of the swamp. Oh, so so the swamp is so the the whole island's broken up into lots. Yeah. So you, that's what's curious about Oak Island is you go back and you look Oak Island singularly in and of itself was divided into lots before the mainland hmm. right? now why was that and the Attorney General of Canada did the work huh. I mean it just it's, it, it, Oak Island has a very interesting past I mean it's, it's very very crazy I mean uh, uh, you know you can go back to the story of the Vaughn family all of a sudden going from being a poor family to becoming wealthy overnight at was it Ed Vaughn, David? It was either Ed or Anthony. Yeah, he he stories of him paying with Spanish balloons on the <laughs> mainland for his for the for you know, when he would go shopping in the stores. Uh, you know, it has a very strange history of Island. But to be divided into lots before some of the mainland is very interesting, indicating that, um, you know, there was interest in the island for a long, long time. Yeah. Many of the participants in the past, I'd say probably, I'm just guessing, but I'd say at least three quarters of the individuals, the prominent individuals involved in the exploration of the island have all have had Freemasonry connections. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Um, because the Freemasons, play, I mean, because they play a major part in a lot of the theories, the Freemasons, Knights Templar, all that. Yes. Um, so, so just to be clear, so you guys own fifty percent of the eighty-five yes. percent of the island, and then Mr. Nolan owns fifteen percent of the island. Yes. Got it. Okay. So well, the, he owns less. He owns less now because we purchased uh, the the Nolan interest had sold lots fourteen and thirteen uh, to. Uh, private individuals, and and we purchased the lots, those two lots, from those individuals. Because at one time, Mr. Nolan's interests were lot 
5, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Mm. Uh, we purchased, we have since purchased 14 and 13 from these private individuals. Hmm. So it's less than 15%. Less, less than 15. Well, now this begs another question. So let's just say that you guys find something. Let's say you find a treasure trove of pirate treasure. Mm-hmm. First of all, how do you, isn't, what if gold fever takes in and the Blankenships and Laginas become the Hatfields and the McCoys? Number one. Number two. It won't happen. Won't happen. No, no, I agree. It will not happen. Okay, that's great to hear. Tell, tell, tell them the story of how you and I met, David. <laughs> I had him pick a rock out of my yard. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, I was just going for a walk the first time we were up there, and I had gone for a walk around the backside of the island. I came back, and there was David uh, throwing rocks in the back end of his pickup truck. So I just walked over and I said, oh, you know, introduce myself and. You know, we've been friends ever since, and I couldn't think of I couldn't think of anyone I, I would rather to call my friend than David Blankenship. He's a great, great guy, and so is his father. Well, when you guys tear each other apart when you find Spanish doubloons, I want I'm going to replay this on CNN when that happens. <laughs> so you guys... Not going to happen. <laughs> so, so let's say you do find it, and you guys manage to be, to remain friends. How are you going to? It's not. I mean, aren't there going to be interest? I mean, this is historical like if you find a treasure trove of night of 1579 doubloons you can't just sell them you can't spend them in stores how, how are you going to make money off that well that would be a great problem to have now wouldn't it right <laughs> i guess <laughs> i mean spending millions to chase something you can't sell that would be i don't know well, if you, i mean why why do you say you can't sell it because i don't know if you can I, I don't know i'm asking i have no idea I mean, I don't see why you could. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of treasure hunters that find things that sell it all the time. I mean, we, according to the Treasure Trove Act, we have to pay a royalty of 10% to the government. Mm-hmm. Treasure is defined within the Treasure Trove Act. All artifacts, so the, the, the TTL draws a distinction between artifacts and treasure. And artifacts go to the Nova Scotia government. Uh, the, the treasure, 10% royalty is paid to the government, and 90% remains with us. Hmm. So at that and point, we spend the hell out of it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that you know, that's a great segue because the other thing that I want to talk about in closing are what are the possible what what could possibly be on the island? You know, what what do you guys think are on there? You know, art and I'm talking artifacts wise, obviously. Gold, pirate's treasure would be, you know, that that's obviously one option. But there's lots of other things that could possibly be on the island. Now, what do you guys think you're chasing? I'm hoping it's the Knights Templar's treasure. Mm. They had 30, 33 ships leave England that have never been found, and they were laden with gold. Right. Now, that's my, my rather to be here. Now, what, about, what about artifacts, though, in, that, in, that, in the Knights Templar trove? Well, the government can have that. I want some, I want the gold. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always been like that. Rick is after the history and the mystery of the island. I'm not. Just give me the gold. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> that's right. What do you and think, Rick? I, that's always been my theory. That it's the Templar's gold. Yep. Huh. That's a good theory. It's and solid. I, and I don't know. I mean, I you know, like David, I, I would like it to be something associated with the Templars, simply given the fact that that period of history where they go from the, the most powerful entity on the face of continental Europe to literally uh, disappear
disappear into the fog of time. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to fill in those pages with true historical evidence and facts. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, they they were a wealthy, powerful entity. So, but I don't know, and that's what's strange about this treasure hunt. Is usually when you go on a treasure hunt, like Mel Fisher, he knew he was searching for the Atosha. He could go to the archives, and he could look up the manifest of the Atosha, what it carried, you know, what it, where it was, when it departed, you know, where it was, the route it was supposed to take. We have no idea what's on Oak Island. I mean, there's four or five credible theories that 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 are supported by the historical record and by artifact recovery and carbon dating and, and other types of discovery processes. So those four or five are and still remain credible. But no, I don't think anyone can say with certainty what's buried on Oak Island. Mr. Blankenship, David's father, has it, has his idea. I'm sure Mr. Nolan has his. Mm-hmm. But no one knows. There are, like I said, very elegant theories. There's a current book which was just released by a fellow named John O'Brien who claims that it's Aztec treasure on Oak Island. And the book is, you know, somewhat con- convincing. I mean, uh, but what's buried on Oak Island? All I can say is this, that I believe, uh, and I'm only speaking for myself, I believe that something was done on Oak Island long ago of truly significant uh, interest, uh, whether it be historical or archaeological. I think it supersedes just treasure. Hmm. I think the endeavor that was undertaken there on that island um, is going to be quite remarkable once the story is, is truly told. Now, will we be the ones to do it? We're hopeful, but might there be someone who will listen, say, to your podcast who will come up with the X marks the spot? Maybe. Um, it, it's an intriguing puzzle. It's a wonderful story, and I, I think people are fascinated by that and will continue to be until the answers are made known. Well, I will say, if my podcast spurs anyone to go and find the treasure, I want 10%, just like the Canadian government. <laughs> I want the gold, how right, much, David? How much are you putting in? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll negotiate. We'll negotiate, right, David? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, negotiate. Uh, and the other thing that, I, in, in closing, I wanted to, to comment on that, because I think those are great. The thing that kind of surprised me is I, I, too, believe that there's something significant on the island. Um, because the amount of effort that went into even just building those tunnels um, to flood the chamber requires such a feat of engineering that I imagine it was at the height of capability for the time period. And to do that much effort, you're, you're hiding something there. There's something there. I don't know if it's been destroyed by the water. Maybe the water was a booby trap to, to destroy whatever it was before anyone found it. I don't well, know. If you're, if you're a true skeptic, though, you know you can you can take everything that's been found and everything that supposedly has been discovered. Because you have to understand that as we sit here now, the money pit is lost. Okay, the yeah. flood tunnel was never really found. The, the artificial beach on Smith's Cove was discovered uh, by past participants, but that also has been destroyed and is now currently off limits, it, it, mm. if it even still exists. So a true skeptic could come in and say, and 
and the other thing is is that it's an anhydrite limestone down there. All the great natural cave systems in the world are anhydrite limestone. So, mm-hmm. you know, could it have been just a sinkhole and logs fell in and boys, you know, it was the height of the piracy area that these boys came and, and you know, saw a tree with a depression and started to dig and they saw a few logs in there. I mean, you you... You can be somewhat dismissive of Oak Island simply because much, so much has been lost over the 220, 19 years of search. But like you, I still believe that something was done long ago. But it's hard to, it's hard to make the case now um, that, you know, to say, say, well, so much work was done, but the work is now lost. Mm-hmm. You can't get into the money pit anymore. You know that even the Halifax and tunnel is gone. The chapel shaft and the and the head and shaft are gone. Um, you know, so much has been you know lost over destroyed or lost over the years. Yeah, yeah. That it's hard. It's hard to say. Well, because of that, this has to be the case, and that's not necessarily true. Um, but you know, you can't refute. You know, uh, with coconut fiber, uh, we've held it in our hands. The mm-hmm. carbon dating indicates, you know, even even when um, David's father's company, Triton Alliance, they carbon dated their coconut finds as well. So it's hard to be dismissive of that. It's hard to be dismissive of the Nolan's Cross, as it's come to be called. There are certain things that are almost irrefutable, which indicate, you know, a... a um, you know that something was done there long ago for some reason um, yeah but you know is there still a long lost table treasure there I don't know but that's what we hope to discover well I, I'm with I, I'm with you and I think I that think that that's interesting to me is that everyone drills into the hole and they pull out stuff and I think to myself well if you've got you know age-old treasure or you know historical artifacts why are you putting a big drill bit into it to see if there's anything in there and tearing up what you know what if you destroy the holy grail or the ark of the covenant just because you want to see if there's anything in there that always struck me as very odd about the approach throughout well that's that's why we're trying to do investigative work and right. discovery processes before we do you know highly disruptive work we'd like to have eyes on target before mm-hmm. we actually Hell. Yeah. Yep. Now you guys have an incredible approach. I mean, you really do. I and mean, you guys are you survey it, you figure out where your hits are, you're very strategic and where you drill. You guys I mean you guys have a great approach. Which, as we can segue into, you can see on The Curse of Oak Island, which um it airs its first season has already aired. The first episode of the second season has aired, and it's on Tuesday nights on History Channel, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um anything else you guys want to promo? Let's get it out there. Oak Island Tours. Where can we get where well, can we find we, this? We, we did we did uh, erect a, an interpretive center on the island um, with uh, with climates by ourselves because because of the show and because of you know uh, podcasts and webcasts people who are interested and fascinated about the island that people you know, come with wanting to know about Oak Island so you know there is this new interpretive center on the island uh, we've opened it up for. The island up for tours over the course of the summer, and we're grateful to the nonprofit Friends of Oak Island, which conducted tours, and Charles Barkhouse in particular. Although there are many people to thank, all the volunteers 
um, uh, with friends who conducted tours and give a, a great experience and explain the history of Oak Island. Uh, we're very grateful to that, and we're generally grateful to the people in the province of Nova Scotia, which have, which have, um, they've been. Uh, we've never had a bad experience up there. It's a, it's a beautiful place, and the people have been open and receptive to our endeavors, and, and we hope to, we hope to solve this. It's a, it's a wonderful, incredible mystery, and we're grateful to be a part of it. Well, I am thankful for you guys for telling me about this this from from first person perspective. Like it's one thing to read about it, but to hear about it from you know with years of history. David, you've been there, you know, doing this for forty years, and Rick, you're in there in the in, in the current age. You got the past and the present uh, right. to really get first hand knowledge, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm gonna put all this all this website. I'm gonna put all your websites and everything up on my website so people can link to everything, check out pictures. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it up. I'm even gonna put up the 1965 Reader's Digest article that got these two crazy kids into Oak Island in the first place. Well, that, that's great, but you also, you know, uh, Mr. Blankenship is our partner. He's 91 years old, and he's still thoroughly and thoroughly involved and thoroughly invested in the process. And he's, you know, he's adamant that you know we're gonna move this thing forward and solve this solve this mystery. So we're very grateful to he and David to that there are partners in this because uh, they've lived Oak Island. They're, they're a much more important part of Oak Island than, than us. We were relatively novices, relative novices in this, but Dan and David have lived Oak Island. And in fact, um, you know, as we move forward, we'd like to get to the bottom of 10X as David indicates. And, um, it's Dan and David and, and Dan Hensky who, who built that shaft. It's hard to comprehend, but it's 18 stories straight down. That's crazy. Dug. That's crazy, hand dug. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Well, I want to thank both of you. Uh, Rick, David, thank you guys so much for, for being oh. on the show. Well, and, thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night.